fluctuations. I mean, real estate syndications are still exposed to market fluctuations uh, and economic conditions, both um, property values as well as uh, interest rates. You're listening to Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures from multifamily properties, mobile homes to cryptocurrencies. Do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets. And finally, create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of being a landlord versus investing in syndications. And uh, you should definitely listen to this episode if you are a burnt out landlord, a tired landlord that wants to be a, a retired landlord. Um, if you're happy as a landlord, but you've got some properties that you've used all your depreciation up and uh, are looking for some additional uh, tax benefits, uh, if you want to slow down a little, um, just uh, maybe you don't want to really expand and uh, or you don't like the pricing of, of new uh, you know new properties in your area uh, and or if uh, you want to uh, diversify a little bit, yeah, maybe you've got uh, a lot of properties in one area, maybe you're uh, in the northeast or you're in a uh, you know a state that's uh, starting to overregulate uh, rental properties like like California and, and maybe looking to expand outside uh, outside of the area. Um, we're going to talk a lot about uh, ways that uh, ways that syndications uh, can help. And uh, lastly, if if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you have uh, you know fear or concerns about you know not being in full control. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the syndication business and and why at, at scale, um, it, it, it's a it's a different world. So you know, being involved in a syndication of say a two hundred unit building, it's it's a uh, you know different level of professionalism um, on these teams that uh, uh, that you'd be working with. So it's a little different than say you know turning over your properties to um, you know some local property manager, or some realtor that uh, yeah is maybe you know doesn't have the sophistication to, to run the business, uh, like you could. Cause, uh, personally I found that, um, um, our, our partners on our, our syndication investments are, you know, are doing a better job than I would. Um, they have that, that skill set. um, you know, just a great operational detail oriented team. So, um, it's why I focus more on partnering with, uh, you know, really successful, uh, larger sophisticated operating groups rather than try to do everything myself. So pros of syndications, um, number one is the ability to diversify, uh, outside of your area, outside of your region. In many cases, uh, real estate syndications provide an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio. Uh, you're pooling funds with other investors and it allows you to access a wider range of properties across different markets, different sectors, and different asset classes. And uh, the more diversified you are, uh, the lower the lower the risk. Uh, so personally, and through the JCAM funds, we're invested in over forty deals. Um, and it's across the southeastern United States uh, as well as the uh, uh, the Sun Belt, uh, Texas, uh, Phoenix, Vegas, and then a smattering of, of deals in the Midwest as well. Uh, we're in a deal in Dayton, Ohio. We're in a deal in uh, Indianapolis as well. And it, 
one of the best reasons to to do uh, these uh, syndication deals is the professional management. Uh, it's a different world when you're going into a 200 unit building than uh, you know buying a, a a random single family house or or just buying a property that you may want to Airbnb. And uh, you know, at size and scale, over a hundred units, as an example, you have on-site management. Yeah, there's a leasing office, there's a full-time person there, there's a full-time uh, maintenance person. So, um, really makes can make the management a lot smoother when you have full-time staff uh, at the property. You know, as opposed to if you own five or ten rentals yourself, you know, you might get that two a.m. phone call, or you know, the dealing with it on a vacation where there's something going on and you're trying to project manage something. Um, you know, just having, having that larger infrastructure and that scalability is, is really powerful. Passive income. Uh, when I got into, uh, real estate in my early twenties, I got into it for passive income, quickly built up a, a portfolio of, uh, you know, within five years I had almost 50 units personally, and it, it absolutely wasn't passive, um, single family and small yeah, one onesie twosies are are very difficult to scale, and uh, you know I ended up putting in as many hours as my my job in in most cases. So, um, with these larger syndications, it is truly truly passive. Uh, at least once you've invested. Um, now, I I talk a lot about active passive income. The the work is is early on. It's educating yourself. It's listening to podcasts like this. It's going to conferences. It's having conversations with sponsors and fund managers. And that's where the work is. Once you're invested in a deal that you've uh, vetted properly, at that point, it's really just monitoring the cash flow, monitoring the reports, um, you know, checking in occasionally. But uh, um, largely the checks, um, you know, the checks come in and, um, you know, you, you're ultimately the other active thing you need to do is monitor your tax situation. Um, as properties are coming up on their, their life cycle to potentially sell, you need to make sure that you, uh, know where your tax basis is so that, uh, if, the, if, when it sells profitably, uh, you can make the decision on, on how and where to reinvest to, uh, uh, make sure you don't have to pay a large capital gains tax bill. Scalability is the, um, main pro on syndications versus uh, uh, individual units. I've, I've already talked about this, uh, you know, in some of the earlier points. But uh, again, as someone who's owned 50 units plus personally, um, the the ability to partner and, and be involved in these larger complexes, 100, 200, 300 unit buildings, um, it, it's, it's very powerful. And, uh, you know, you have uh, less you know, less roofs to deal with when you have a 300 unit building than say 300 individual units. And, um, it's, uh, just overall way, way more scalable. Um, as far as risk mitigation goes, um, yeah, again, being diversified is, uh, is very helpful. Um, you know, being able to be in, in multiple deals, um, with, with multiple partners, uh, the way syndications are structured, um, a majority of the uh, incentive is on the back end for syndicators, so that's also uh, a big, a big, uh, a big help. And most deals will pay a preferred return as well. So um, the way it works is first you need to get uh, paid uh, a return on your money that may be you know five, six, seven, eight percent annually um, on your actual capital, and then your capital needs to be returned. 
And then that's when the syndicator or the operator typically gets a percentage of the profits. So uh, the incentives are aligned to, um, you know, for that for them to run the deal um, as profitable as possible to, uh, you know, unlock those incentives. So what are the cons of syndication investing? Um, you know, first is, you know, you are giving up control uh, for those that are, that are concerned about that. Um, so, you know, you are generally investing as a limited partner. And so you're, you're not going to be involved in day-to-day -day decisions. Um, you know, the syndication, the sponsor, the management team, the operator kind of use those terms interchangeably. Um, you know, they're making key decisions, including um, you know, the property, the financing, the property management, the operational strategies, the, the value add, um, which is the key component of many deals. Um, so that doesn't suit everyone. I mean, uh, certain investors just really like to be hands-on. Um, you know, with that said, um, you know, there are some very top tier sponsors that you, you know, just start bordering on private equity funds or invest, you know, that uh, do a really, really good job, uh, in this space. So yeah, I think even, even those that really don't like giving up control, um, I think there, there are groups that, uh, you know, if you, if you dive in and see how good their operations are, um, it, you know, it, it should make sense. Um, one last point on the, the control, the, the more money you're investing, the more ability you may have to influence or control. You know, if you're writing a check for a half a million to a million dollars, um, you, you can you can buy yourself a seat at the table. Um, if it's a business you're looking at pursuing full-time in the future and you want to eventually become a sponsor, you don't just snap your fingers and jump in and do that, you know, like you can with a single family house. So coming in as a, you know, as a limited partner can be a gateway to learn the business and get involved in the business. And eventually you can become a co-GP and in the future you might become a GP general partner and, and lead your own deals. Uh, the second con is the lower liquidity. Uh, if you have a single family property, you know, you can list it for sale and generally sell it in 90 days. Uh, if you own a stock or a REIT, and uh, again, for accredited investors, I think REITs are often a poor tax investment um, just because of the tax treatment. That's I, I've talked about that in a number of episodes. You can You can look at our episodes on taxes. And, uh, we've got a, a lot of content on that. Um, but you know, syndications are not an immediately liquid investment. You're going to be in from, uh, you know, one to 10 years and often three to five years is a typical investment. So, um, you know, you want to use capital that's longer term capital that you're not going to need to, uh, withdraw. Uh, third con is fees and expenses. Um, you know, syndications do have fees. There's typically is an acquisition fee. Um, there are asset management fees and, uh, yeah, there are property management fees. And then there's the incentive fees, uh, you know, the carried interest as, uh, as I've alluded to the, the, the percentage of the profits, uh, that's paid out after, uh, all money is returned to investors. So, um, you know, those that are fee conscious, those that to follow the, the whole Vanguard lower fees, um, you know, the, they're, you know, it is what it is. Um, I will say though that syndications and private real estate funds are vastly different than the stock market. Uh, when you're dealing with a more efficient market like the stock market, uh, you know, being fee conscious makes all the sense in the world. Um, however, 
when dealing with syndications and private funds, it's more like investing in a in a business or a private business with profit margins. So, uh, and that's how um, these uh, these opportunities have, have largely outperformed the stock market in uh, over time because they are not as liquid, they're not as publicly available, and um, that justifies some of the the higher fees just because it's uh, um, frankly a, a lot more work. And it's a lot more work than just managing an index fund in the stock market. So um, I think the fees are, are very justifiable. And uh, you know, as you start investing, you, you'll, you'll learn what's typical as well. Um, you know, as long as the fees are, are market for what syndications generally are, then I think they're, they're more than fair. And the, the operating partners need to have enough money and fee income to, to keep their lights on and to execute on the business plan and deliver those returns. Um, market dependency and fluctuations. I mean, real estate syndications are still exposed to market fluctuations uh, and economic conditions, both um, property values as well as uh, interest rates. So, uh, you know, unlike REITs, where sometimes the REIT stock value gets taken down just because the the overall stock market's dropping, um, I think uh, real estate. You know, part of the the benefit of not having that immediate liquidity is it's not the type of situation where um, you're going to panic sell and sell at the bottom. You know, you're you're in for three to five years, and you know you're relying on a professional team to to try to manage the the ultimate sale and exit at, at the appropriate time. Um, but when when you have situations like last year where where interest rates have risen dramatically, um, you know that it does it does affect uh, affects cash flow if you're in a variable rate loan, and it, it potentially affects uh, exit timing. Um, you know, if you're in a fixed rate loan with, uh, with seven or 10 year debt, there's no reason to sell right now. Um, you're, you're printing monthly cash flow because, uh, rents have increased, inflation has increased, but the mortgage payment has stayed the same. Um, and it doesn't make sense to sell and, unless you can sell and, uh, let someone assume your lower interest rate loan, which actually then may increase the value of the property and, and give you some, some upside. So, um, so yeah, overall, yeah, real estate is not completely independent from the you know the capital markets. Um, I will remind you, however, though, that the headlines you see about residential real estate do not always mean the same for multifamily real estate. Uh, for example, the residential you know, interest rates going up make it less affordable to buy a single family house, which means there's more renters. So uh, and then. If the office market collapses, in an example, that doesn't really uh, impact. I don't see that impacting multifamily uh, that much. You know, office is crashing because people are working from home, and less people are going into the office. So, um, you know, although it's market dependent, you know, you need to be um, very careful parsing the data that you're you're receiving uh, because it's not always as clear cut. As uh, you know, as it may seem when you when you see a headline. So um, that's about it for uh, for today. Uh, please uh, follow us on uh, all social media: jcaminvestments.com, Alternative Investor Mastermind, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, uh, our YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe. And uh, if you like what you're listening to, please uh, you know leave us a review on your platform of choice. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode. 
that's all for this episode of Alternative Investor Mastermind. Now that you know the many alternative opportunities out there all up for the taking, you can finally become ultra-connected and ultra-wealthy. Get more valuable advice from the experts by subscribing to the show at alternativeinvestormastermind.com. Become a winner in the world of passive investing today in alternative investment strategies. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.